Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. So PRI was in town. That's all about the, the performance in your vehicle. Tony Katz. Good to be with you. Gary Dick joins us from InsideIndianaBusiness.com on Twitter at IIB, at Gary Dick, G-E-R-R-Y, at Gary Dick on the Twitter box as well, InsideIndianaBusiness.com. But that's not the only bit of car news going on. There's a lot of development going on in Indianapolis, around central Indiana, around IndyCar, other things, and some things we've lost out on as well. Gary Dick joins us right now. We start with Andretti Global. They just broke ground on their new headquarters in Fishers. Yeah, big uh, project for Fishers, uh, Tony. Andretti uh, Global, the uh, the parent of Andretti uh, Auto, uh, Autosport, $200 million investment in Fishers in what could ultimately mean about 500 jobs there. So a, a new corporate headquarters, global headquarters for the company there. But as you kind of uh, tease there a little bit, um, just one of several big announcements that have happened in recent months. Graham Rahal announced a $20 million uh, headquarters move from Brownsburg to Zionsville. It's right next to Rahal. Letterman Lanigan's uh, new headquarters uh, uh, there in uh, in that community. McLaren building a new uh, race and R&D facility in Whitestown. You go to Brownsburg, and a lot of that is focused uh, on uh, on drag racing, but uh, a new uh, motorsports park. Uh, there and that's you. Know, you sometimes you lose track of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and all the things going on out there. But Roger Penske and his group have invested at least twenty million dollars since buying the track um, uh, three years ago, and more expected on the way there. So a lot of investment uh, certainly here in Central Indiana. So this is as you just described these things about racing and the racing yeah. world, and and there's an extent to which it makes sense, and also these things are are really important. They're valuable because they also have spinoffs for other technology opportunities. But let's go over a couple of the things that we missed on. You have Honda building their four point four billion dollar EV battery plant in Ohio, doing that in conjunction with LG. They did not choose to come to Indiana. You have Hyundai deciding that Georgia was a better place than Indiana to build an EV battery plant. That's going to employ 3,500 people. Indiana has missed out on a couple of these big things, and I don't even know whether or not Indiana was in the running for these things. Are we discussing this as we're discussing uh, these these good investments from the racing world. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and, and you know, you, you mentioned uh, motorsports, and, and those are technical uh, STEM jobs, uh, typically paying a little bit better or sometimes a lot better than the average wage. But the EV battery uh, investments you talked about uh, are you need to have on the table. I, I do know for a fact that Indianapolis was competitor. In fact, some of suggested it was down to Ohio and Indiana for the uh, for the Honda investment because the, the plant here in uh, in Greensburg uh, there's also the GM joint venture big battery plant two billion dollar investment expected to go into uh, New Carlisle and St. Joseph County so uh, the winners and losers there are going to be more of these big investments and you look at not just EV batteries but that whole 
supply chain, if you will, for the electrification of the auto industry. Stellantis, joint venture in Kokomo, things like a billion and a half dollars and 1,400 jobs going there. So Indiana has won and lost out on these. There are going to be more in the future. The key, Tony, as you and I have talked about a lot, uh, is workforce and being able to convince the automakers that, hey, Indiana can provide that, uh, that talented pipeline of workers needed uh, for these plants. Talking to Gary Dick inside IndianaBusiness.com on Twitter at IIB. Let, let's dig in a little bit more uh, in into this idea and about the workforce. If we go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com, we will see how um, you've got Manchester University, which is up north, investing $20 million into a Fort Wayne facility. You have Indiana State University, which gets short shrift here in Indiana, getting an $8 million gift from uh, some of, of their uh, supporters. The objective here is the, I know the objective here is, of course, to grow your university and grow opportunities to be attractive. But are these places attractive to Indiana residents? What are these universities doing specifically to attract more Hoosiers to stay here and, and say, sorry, IU, sorry, Purdue, there's a better option and opportunity for me that satisfies all the requirements for a good time and, and a good education? Yeah, those are great points, Tony. And I think the Indiana State announcement as well as the Manchester announcement out of Fort Wayne are two good examples of what universities are doing. The $8 million gift at, at ISU will create uh, the Bailey College of Engineering and Technology, getting a new name on that uh, that engineering and technology uh, building there. A big focus of that will be producing more STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math students uh, who go to Indiana State to make it more attractive for those technical kinds of jobs. You go to the Manchester uh, announcement up in Fort Wayne, $20 million uh, just announced this morning uh, for a new uh, health sciences uh, uh, curriculum and building in that uh, in that city. Again, focused on aligning with the needs of the community. It's a healthcare uh, hub uh, for that part of the state and uh, in Northwest Ohio as well. So it's about producing the graduates that that uh, that that businesses need that's healthcare in that part of the state, and then you can, you can go on to Ivy Tech and Vincennes and the two year institutions and their importance in this whole the whole mix. You know, you mentioned Tony the electric vehicle, uh, uh, you know, batteries and components and things like that. Ivy Tech's uh, involvement in Kokomo really was one of the things that helped tip the uh, scales toward uh, Kokomo and Indiana for that big big investment from Stellantis. So you're going to see all of the universities, four-year institutions, as well as the two-year colleges and universities here in the state playing a role uh, in that workforce. Let me um, move the conversation a little bit into areas we don't usually talk about on the show, but you've got it on the site uh, there, InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I, uh, discussing this earlier, the story of what has taken place with the Indianapolis Public Library. And how there was a CEO candidate out of New Orleans who was offered the job over the interim CEO here in in Indianapolis. The community, and I'm saying that with air quotes, in uproar that the interim CEO was not offered the full-time CEO job. Uh, really getting aggressive, so much so uh, that Dr. Gabriel Morley who was offered the job to be the CEO of the Indianapolis Public Library, has turned it down 
one would question whether or not it was just uproar, whether it was a violent uproar. I don't know how one describe. I know how I might describe it. I don't want to put words into your mouth. What exactly is this saying to to you, to the business community, uh, and exactly what does this create in terms of a look for Indianapolis? Is there a problem that comes from this, or is this just this will be uh, uh, swept under the rug? It won't even mean anything in a week. Yeah, I don't. I don't. You know, frankly, this is just personal opinion, and certainly this was uh, an issue with uh, with the library and those some. Uh, employees and others uh, had their their thoughts on who the CEO should be. Uh, voiced those uh, opinions, and uh, the uh, the person who was offered that job from New Orleans did, did, did decided to de- decline to back out. I don't think it's going to have any impact, Tony, business wise or otherwise uh, uh, going forward. I think it's going to be uh, you know uh, kind of an internal public library situation, and in. Uh, We'll go from there. So we'll see. We'll see what their next step is. So next step uh, on the library to see uh, who the next CEO is going to be. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I'm curious when these things happen. It, is it saying something uh, about um, Indianapolis? Is it saying something to uh, the community uh, writ large that that uh, wh- whether it's it's our actual indie uh, community or whether it's to a business community, whether it's to the future of of, of convention business, uh, that maybe this is a city focused on the wrong things or focused on uh, too many things that are uh, trying to virtue signal as opposed to uh, cr- get into the to the nitty gritty and actually be supportive. So I, I asked the question solely for the. For that reason, Gary, that these things can uh, multiply on themselves. They can have residual. But your argument is probably not in this case. Don't don't see it. No, I, I don't see it in this in this case, um, you know, at, at, at all from a business standpoint. Certainly, it's a it's a big issue in in with respect to the library and the community. But beyond that, I don't think it, it's going to have much impact. 